Hey everyone, this is it. This is it, the official beginning of season three of Cosmic Crit. Welcome back, Crittermanders, and an extra welcome for those of you out there listening to the podcast for the first time here in this season. My name is Patrick, and I'm the GM on the show. We are playing the Starfinder role-playing game here, and joining me in playing this game uh, that we love so much, uh, week in and week out, are my five friends and your players so please join me in welcoming them back to the podcast. Oh, we're switching up the introduction order this year once again. So while you all are stationed around the same digital table, I'll be announcing you in a different order, which means to my right is the podcast star and gaming supernova personified herself. Welcome to season three, Rebecca. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, you're first in the lineup. Don't don't make me regret that decision. <laughs> Uh, across from her, across the table from her, someone that she thinks is pretty okay. We like him too. Why, it's Drew. Hello. Mm-hmm. Hi, Drew. To my immediate right, audio auteur, all the way from the sunny state of Oregon, it's Tyler. Tyler, how are you doing? I wanted to be last again this mm -hmm. season. No, you're... <laughs> You are the personification of the middle child, so <laughs> I think that's right where we're putting you in the middle. Uh, across from the table, from him, we've got uh, one of our favorite players here. Gaming is his middle name. It's our good friend, Jabert Gaming Kennedy. Hey, Jabert. That's who I am. Hello, Patrick. I'm ready to be back. Been a long time without the pew pew. It's weird that you changed your middle name to gaming. Well, we, we respect your decision. I mean... You know, when you do as much pro strat gaming as I do, you got to make your middle name reflect it. And uh, so I just bumped Jabert up to the first name. And then now I'm, you know, so it's all good. Mm. Your first name used to be gaming. So that's interesting. <laughs> right, exactly. Interesting I changed my first name to Jabert. I was I was Albert Gaming Kennedy. And now I'm just Jabert Gaming Kennedy. Uh, across the digital table from me. Last, but of course, not least, Miles. Welcome. Hello, Patrick. I am excited to get season three started. Are you excited to be the anchor position in this season's lineup? You're I'm at home, buddy. I, I hope so. I hope I break the uh, the streak that Tyler and Drew have set for me. <laughs> yeah, you oh, know man. there's a curse associated with this, right? <laughs> oh, depending on how long this podcast goes on for, you guys are all going to sit there eventually. <laughs> I think if Look I just say hello, I can, I can skate by for a year and a half. Hello. <laughs> right, yeah. If you don't push too hard, I think you'll be, you're going to be golden. <laughs> guys, welcome back to the podcast. Um, everyone have a, a great holiday season. I did. Yeah, it was fabulous. Got Anyone everything have, I wanted. Uh, yeah, I, I got I got it all and more. Um, does anyone have any 2020 New Year's resolutions you like to share? Hmm. Roll less crit fails. <laughs> I don't think you have what it takes to back that. I I, 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 I completely agree. But that's that's what New Year's resolutions are all about. Making false promises that you're going to break immediately. So I swear, <laughs> if, you, if you break it in this episode, I will. I'll be very happy. Uh, I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> I'm never gonna roll a one. Oh, good. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, make good on last year's New Year's resolution, mm. and I'm gonna play more strength-based characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little, a little teaser here. It's a, it's a teaser for 15 minutes later. <laughs> right. So I think one of my 
resolutions is something that I owe to our fans. And it's that I'm hereby resolved as your GM, the podcast GM. I can't take it easy on you guys this book. I so my, we've heard. I myself <laughs> went so far as to infiltrate Paizo and write the AP that I wanted to play, basically. So I wrote a rough, gritty war adventure. You guys get to reap all the benefits, the untold glory. If you are able to survive the the, the torment of, of shame, if your PCs are to fall, basically whatever happens this season is on you. Uh, I've made it so this is not going to be an easy road to hoe. <laughs> you guys are going to have to work for it this season. I mean, you say it's on us, but like, mm-hmm. I feel like more than any other season, it's sort of on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel I mean, like in other seasons, I might not know exactly what's on the next page. This one I've got. Or I've, what the I author's intent well. was. Yeah, yeah. No, no. There's, there's no no need to uh You to got go that fool dead to rights. Yeah, there's no Delesco settlement to worry about in this book. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like we as players are pretty formulaic. Jabert and Rebecca will roll really well. Miles is either going to be really hot or really cold. I won't roll crap, and Drew will get distracted by loot in a different room on another planet. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey. I mean, yeah, hey. that's that. Hey, he's season. He sees it. Season four of the podcast. You guys have to make yourself as PCs. Everyone plays a human. <laughs> we'll go go through it. Uh, well, with all that being said, are you guys excited for season three? Yeah, very uh, much. It, it's a return to form for Tyler, so I'm stoked. I'm going to leave that <laughs> stupid dex-based techie crap behind. We're going full bore, bazookas. Uh, well, talking about your your character, Tyler, and everyone's characters, we have been actively talking uh, about this season for more than six months. So th- this is coming out in January, but we've been <laughs> Well, we've been talking about it longer than that. I feel like as soon as I started writing this AP over a year ago, um, you know, we were talking about, oh, well, we're going to have to play this. I can't tell you exactly what it is yet, but it's going to be a fun one. But yeah, just the nature of how this podcast works in order to get the the art ordered up and write up your guys' backstories and kind of integrate them into a story. You finalized a lot of these characters months ago, you know, like September when we had... um, made a challenge for our fans to guess what you guys were going to play, you know, your races and classes. But yeah, since then you've developed your themes, your archetypes, you've gotten new rules from the character operations manual, the calm that came out last year and decisions were made. And the end result is happening right now. Episode zero of this season, where we're finally going to meet this season's cast of characters. Woo. (laughs) Yeah. Woo. Indeed. I don't know about you, but honestly, this is one of my favorite episodes of each season now, mainly because it's a a lot of additional writing by me using your character's backstories and kind of make up an introduction. So we've had a bar fight. We've had a high speed car chase, um, like kind of like cinematic sections to start us off in seasons one and two, respectively. And this season is going to be a little bit more of a character study. I wanted to introduce each of your characters in their own way. So, are you guys excited for that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much. I, 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 I mean, we've been talking for a while here. Without any further ado, I think we're going to have to do it. This is it. This is the start of Season 3 of Cosmic Crit, Attack of the Swarm, Book 1, entitled Fate of the Fifth. And who's the author of that one? It's written by, oh man, how do I pronounce this? I don't want to get it wrong. Patrick Branon. 
Uh, <laughs> sounds like a real jerk, if you ask me. Uh, Let's real, find out. A real smart and handsome jerk. Um, real, especially the first two. Robot. Yeah. Smart and good looking and always right. <laughs> Episode commencing in three, two, one. Episode initiated. A hard wind blows across the vast expanse of open, lily-white fields blanketed in multiple feet of heavy snow. Every few years, Susquehanna experiences a few extreme seasons, including this one. They call this the dead winter, as ice and snowfall choke the continent and freeze even parts of the ocean here, where the waves form valleys and sharp cliffs of ice over 30 feet tall. We pull into this desolate snowscape and see a lonely stretch of highway that cuts through this frozen tundra, heading south, and on it is a closed Susquehanna Defense Force military truck, in the back of it a dozen or so, tired and cold soldiers who clutch their weapons as they feel every bump and catch in the road through the loud convoy's suspension. It's a solemn movement of manpower here as new recruits and veterans alike are getting shuffled among companies, moving from the front line to the back to a, a camp for reassignment. The only constant in wartime is that everything is in constant motion. You learn not to form lasting connections to any location as, as camps move sometimes daily. As the SDF tries their best to slow the swarm advance that has steadily gained ground every week over the last six months. Here in this this truck, we see a, a human recruit with a tag on his shoulder beneath his ident that reads Hesselman. He breaks the silence and says, Boy, these White Hawk storms come out of nowhere, huh? Satellite showing it'll stop soon enough, though. I, I don't I don't know, but uh Weather hasn't been right since S-Day, that's for sure. Hesselman pulls out a small metal pot from his backpack and fills it from his canteen and adds some cloth bags of aromatic tea leaves. He sets the pot to boil with a small, portable, SCF-issued chem flame and sits down next to his brew. Happy to share some with you all if you want. I've been shuffled around companies and battalions these last six months. Been trading stories for that entire time with fellow dusters like us here on the ground. Love to hear all yours too. I I'll start with mine. I, you know, on S-Day, I was working a summer job stripping old buildings from the early colonial days of, of metal wiring. Just a freelance gig, you know? A couple hours outside of Junlin City, north of Brenoa, and well, when I heard the sirens, I, I went outside and I looked up to the northeast and I spied the swarm fleet breaking orbit. It, it looked like well, it looked like a, a dark cloud at first. Just hundreds of ships of all sizes, components, they call them. Uh, about an hour or so later, it looked like all hell had broken loose at the Stone Sea. Mount Klondo looked like a hornet's nest and it sounded like thunder in the distance. Well, anyway, I, I knew what was happening and uh, I hightailed it out of there and I joined the SDF that week. Figured only good bugs, uh, a dead bug, uh, present company excluded, of course. He looks over to a large creature in the back truck cab, a large insect race. Tyler, who 
are we looking at here? What what are we seeing when we see your character? So you see probably maybe stooped over a little bit because uh, he is indeed large. A Trox uh, coming in at about uh, just a little over 11 and a half feet tall. Uh, but he doesn't have so much the telltale physical features of a Trox. He is thinner. Mm. Uh, his chitin has kind of a deep, darkish, uh, purple hue uh, to it. And his limbs are kind of longer than a Trox's normal limbs. And they end in very wraith-like uh, claws. He's just more uh, gaunt. And from his chitin, you can see these like little flickers of... Uh, kind of a darkish miasma-like energy. Hmm. Uh, and of course, orange eye. So not a a big chunky boy like many Trox, but a thinner, darker uh, carapace, like you said. Yeah. And Devasho would look over and say, "Do not worry. You do not worry. You cannot offend me here. I I am interested in your tale. Please continue." Oh well, I. I, I was mostly done. I, uh, the name's Private Hesselman, uh, Filner Hesselman. The most call me Filler Up because I, I normally work the motor pool. Uh, what, what's your name? <laughs> filler Up. I I like that. That is good. My name is Davasho Atiu. I, I got a cup of a lupin black here with your name on it, soldier. If mm. if you want to tell me more about where you were when the the swarm landed. Uh, of course, of course. I I will gladly take a a cup. You. You know how to make friends, offering a nice hot beverage. Devasho's story starts out in space. You see a, a private pleasure ship docking with a large space station floating over uh, Suskeland's sister planet of Ultranius. And here we see a much healthier, a bulkier, indeed a chonkier version <laughs> of uh, Devasho in a, a sleek looking set of armor walking through the station's hallways in front of a, uh, a Kalo colony leader uh, who goes by the name of Shako Nadal, uh, who is working on like a, a kind of a floating workstation that moves with him um, as, as you guys walk down this corridor. Shako says, Davasho, the humans in the system seem mostly preoccupied with collecting and spending credits. Uh, do you find that to be true? Humans do like shiny things. I'm not surprised. A Scalo that are setting up the underwater city-state here on Otranus. We just want to be free to experience our lives. There are too many laws, too many restrictions in the pact. I think that here we will thrive. I, I think that order is important, but it's also important that we have our freedom to choose what we will. You both walk into a large restaurant, the place of a, a meeting uh, called the Aquanet Aquatic. And you, you know, smell grilled Kraken clams uh, and other delicacies. Uh, we kind of fill your nostrils. Shako says, I have a meeting here with a gentleman I have been warned against doing business with, one uh, Gar Maldrigero. As a warm-blooded type, I, I wouldn't think that this human could possibly be so slimy, but apparently he has ties to the organized crime families back on Suscalon. Anyway, keep your guard up and... Tell me, well, I, I know we have worked together for some time. Tell me if your people, the Trox, well, what is it that, that motivates you? Trox are mostly motivated by peace, by sharing of culture and ideas and cooperative living. Mm. Do you have family units or are they larger groups? 
Uh, my family unit is a very large group. It is not uncommon for Trox's families to be quite large, uh, although mine is still, I think, larger than the average. I apologize for prying. Do you have family then? Is, is that is that overstepping my bounds? Oh, of course not. I see us as, as both colleagues and friends. I'm always happy to discuss my family. I do love them dearly, and talking about them brings me great happiness. Uh, as you're about to ex... ex, ex uh... Uh, extrapolate or, or, or talk a great deal. Um, just then, as you're about to go into that, a dark, slicked-back-haired human with unnaturally tanned skin walks up to your table, himself trailed by two shearing guards who are open-carrying peace-bonded rifles. And this this human says, Oh, Meridal, pleasure to finally meet your acquaintance. Name's Gar Malgero. I trust you've not been waiting too long. I, I know the owner of this place. We're going to get the works here tonight, I tell you. Do you Kahlo eat fish types? I, I hope so, because this place has got a tintail special that's going to knock your socks off. You Kahlo wear socks? Anyway, let's order. We'll get down to business. I got a fleet of luxury ships that are going to make your toes curl. Water treated so they can dive under the ocean, too. <laughs> Unbelievable deals here uh, as well. Forget about it. As uh, these two get to business, uh, you're kind of like shooed away and uh, you, you can walk away from the table and kind of stand right outside Devasho uh, across from these two guards who give you a, a curt nod as well as uh, uh, a quick visual pat down. <laughs> you know, I one another up as professionals. All of a sudden, there's a sense of urgency, uh, like a little bit of tension in the station as a moment later, uh, a few security personnel are seen running down an adjoining corridor. A moment later, you hear someone shouting in the back of the restaurants, your senses kind of like sparking up. And suddenly several holographic projectors are turned on around the station in this restaurant. And you see the same thing on every channel. The words in bright holographic letters read, Susculin under attack. There's a chirp on your comms unit and you have a vocal message from your husband. Uh, Devasha would immediately click it on. Davy, we just got word from the council. They detected an enemy fleet inbound to the north here on Susklan. I'm suspending my mission meeting and getting back to the kids ASAP. I am unsure if Ultranus is safe or not. And I don't know if you'll get this message, but I don't know what's happening here. Who would want to invade us? Anyway, return this message and, well, get back as soon as you can. Stay safe, my love. The message cuts off as we leave Devasho here, impotent millions of miles away, unable to do anything at the start of the swarm invasion. And we return six months later into the future into this SDF troop carrier as the Trox finishes their story, begins begins drinking some tea. Private Hasselman passes the, the tea back along to uh, another trooper, human trooper to your side. And uh, looking back at you, Devasho says, well, I'm glad you're fighting with us, big guy like you. Uh, reports are swarm got components the size of houses out there waiting to attack in mass. I'm glad I am here as well. And don't you worry, anything the size of a house, leave to me. I'll take care of it. This lonely SDF truck continues on, uh, traveling past one of the, the larger exits on this stretch of highway. As a sign reads, next exit, Bernoa, 17 miles, it flies past you on your left. We we still got a, a ways to go to get to the camp. Uh, if we're just getting to Bernoa now, plenty of time for tea and another story. Uh, who's next up? Hesselman holds a cup of, of steaming tea that smells fruity, has some earthy notes. He sees a figure in the back blending into the shadows cast by the large trucks 
as, as far too little light filters in here from the, the canopy cover above. Yet you seem pretty quiet, soldier. Care to share your story? It's looking directly at your character, Rebecca. Rebecca, can you describe who we are looking at? Yeah, her name is Zenia, and she is um, she has these huge wings behind her as she steps into the light. Um, she's got a somewhat petite uh, fit frame, uh, but these gigantic wings, majestic, really. She is a Strix. Mm. Any, any other defining features? They're, they are quite dark, these wings, I gather. Yeah, she has a fairly dark gray skin, and she has mostly black wings, but they do have some iridescent f- feathers throughout. Um, she also has sort of slicked back hair, uh, black with, with some blue streaks in her hair. Um, Strix are kind of like if if you know humans uh, evolve from from ape, then they are humanoids that kind of evolve from like an avian creature, maybe some kind of like owl. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And she has rather sharp facial features as a result, and um, yeah, just kind of bird like, um, but, but no beak, very humanoid. <laughs> no, no beak. <laughs> she has a nose. <laughs> Trying try to describe uh, yeah what a Strix is for for folks that have. I've never seen them. So if you're you're coming out of the shadows, um, Private Hesselman will will say, uh, well, what, "What was your name, uh, Ms.?" And he hands you the tea. It's Zinnia. And, and where was it you were when the swarm hit the beaches? And your story is going to transport us from this SDF cab hundreds of miles away, inside the uh, Halcyon Laboratories. In Rio City, and mind you, six months ago, we were here on the west side of the continent. We see another whole ocean out the lab's windows, and we see stark white lab coats and, and tiled rooms as people work here. Dozens of sequencers, data pads, clutter the tables. Um, in this work area, we see a Strix woman in a, a lab smock that kind of ties around your waist, and another scientist kind of walking over to you, a human woman in a a long skirt, white jacket. This is a fellow scientist working out of the same lab on a different project. Her name is Lorja Guller. And uh, we see her saying, did you even go home last night? You're you're still in the same getup as yesterday, Zinnia. Yeah, I've, I, I found a place to rest my eyes for a few minutes. Well, I'm not telling you how to spend your free time, but the BBRC stipend isn't enough to have me here when I could be home watching Eoxian Primetime or the latest space flicks, what have you. I'm pretty obsessed with Vesk rom-coms, lots of biting in their mating rituals. <laughs> anyway, well, what is it that you were working on that's so interesting? Oh, it's so fascinating. You have no idea. It's I'm, I'm studying all of these animal structures and hierarchy collapses and um, uh, studying how these, how these different uh, groups of animals evolve and then subsequently become extinct. It's, it's just fascinating work. Well, I can't tell if you are being facetious or not, but it is one million times more interesting what I'm working on. I'm working on the agricultural grants of enhancing sorghum yields and sizes. Apparently, they can get them grown twice as high in the labs around the packed sun. I told them about this system's light being different, yada, yada, but the parent corporation doesn't want answers. They want dollar signs. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's the work. I mean, it, it means something, you know? I, I just love it. It's so great. Uh, she kind of like nods along as she turns on a, a small screen on her desk and works 
while talking to you loudly from across the room. Oh, where was it you studied again? Uh, where was it that you got your degree? At Zesh University. Zesh, uh, isn't that isn't that a swarm planet now? Lorja asks very timidly as her tone kind of takes on a, a sad tone. She watches the screen in front of her. She follows it quickly by, oh my God, and lets out a loud gasp, kind of leaves the room in a hurry. As you get up and look at her screen, Zinnia, you see images of a, a swarm invasion fleet. But they are not on the your your former alma mater's planet. This is happening here on Susklin now. And you did enough typing of that splinter of the hive mind to know that this is likely part of the same bug armada that might have invaded Ilumchuva, your your alma mater's planet, the previous year. And now they're here, almost as if they are following you. Looking down at the carnage playing across every single channel on this media player, what are Zinnia's thoughts about this? I mean, I think that this is very scary for her. I mean, she it was a close call before she had just left when Ilum Chuva was, was taken over. I think her first instinct, honestly, is to go in and look up whatever research she has in her files on the swarm and and this, this strain of the swarm, anything she has that she can... Uh, mm-hmm. Try to figure out why they're here. What 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 should she do? Nature. But her work. research is is her. That's that's her default. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, change, changing the uh, the the name at the top of the paper you're publishing currently to uh, to maybe reflect more current affairs happening here on Susquehanna. We we flash back to the SCF convoy. The snow dusted vehicle continues to trundle down this pothole pitted roadway and private Hesselman hands out another cup of tea and with it introduces himself to a heavily armored private in the back I, I didn't get your name uh, mine's Hesselman nice to meet you do you do your kind drink tea I, I I don't want to sound like some backwater hick but well I ain't seen uh, anyone like you before Drew, what do we see when we look at your character? What's, what's Private Hesselman seeing? Private Hesselman is seeing a, a relatively tall, but still medium build, mm-hmm. robotic looking suit of armor. Of a course, walking suit of armor. <laughs> of course, featuring the uh, Moji Face 7.0 uh, <laughs> so that it can express itself in however it deems fit. You can make a dookie face if you want it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the the LEDs are uh, way better than the last version. So yeah, didn't come with eyebrows before too. So you got all kinds of expressive. <laughs> so you've got like an LED face, and are you a robot? Something like that. <laughs> are you are you just big old walking mech here uh, joining the army? Uh, he he got conscripted, so this is where he is as we as we join. And, and what is your what is your your character's name? My designation is Echo Seven Five Angel Niner Niner Rifle Six Three Two. Oh, oh, that's that's long. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna call you Echo Seven. That is except good. Thank you. <laughs> Echo's story starts months earlier. We see in oh, amidst a, a, a ocean of of wheat and crops, a, a small farmhouse. The harvest has not yet come to Susquehann uh, six months ago, and there's still some weeks of growing before the fall when thousands of robotic drone tractors literally changed the surface of this entire region. From Brunoa on the east coast to Rio City is just a sea of golden waves, 
and it was one of the short, uh, wet summers, and accordingly has had some of the most impressive crop yields since uh, Susquehanna was settled hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Here we see a lone figure standing in the fields, large scythe on his back, and a, a small travel biotester. We see this figure, a, a farmer of some type, lift this heavy scythe, wield it as if it were just another part of its reflective body, and with a flick of its wrists and a section of the wheat, a whole bunch of the stalks fall and, and samples are taken, and the figure stands to face Susquehanna's sunlight. We see Echo 7 in full light here, whose metallic hide kind of reflects reflects the light like a star in the ocean of amber. And yeah, you, you walk back to this small farmhouse, more a shack that the LAA, the Longship Agricultural Alliance Corporation, set up for this mechanical man. Drew, what do we see in Echo 7's home where he's he's living out here? Uh, not too much. It's 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 fairly fairly modest. There's there's <laughs> a few tools lying around, a few a few uh, farming implements and, and and a few books, a few comic books, a few other <laughs> potentially entertaining things. I mean, uh, it's it's just Echo 7 out in this kind of like with miles of uh, crops around them uh what what do they do to pass the time uh there is uh a lot of infosphere a lot of a lot of solitary looking online at what's going on internally mm. and and cataloging everything on space netflix and space <laughs> spaces on prime eoxian uh prime time yeah eoxian prime time there's the new uh 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 versite plus uh streaming service that just came out it's only uh seven credits a month so it's really affordable i hear orange is the new green is very good <laughs> oh boy uh you're only here for a short while that day before you head on back out. But in that time, you get a call on your integrated comm unit that is like in your head uh, from LAA distribution center located in Linmari, maybe a hundred or so miles away. As you answer, you hear a, a familiar, familiar uh, female voice say, uh, uh, Unit Echo 7, report. Do you read us? Uh, this is Rita Cooper. Come in. I read you. Designate Rita Cooper. Yes, uh, well, please transmit the, the latest data points when you get the chance. Corporate wants to present a potential germination quotient to Abadar Corps representatives by the end of the week. I'd like to get a jump on that, so I'm not here in, until after hours. Uh, transmitting now. Oh, wow, thank you. I didn't know if you would have that ready yet. Uh, Unit Echo 7, you know, without your tireless work in that sector, well, we'd have to pay two or three people to do your job. You really are helping my bottom line in our quarterly... Her voice trails off and comes back a moment later and says, My God, I, I might have to call you back. Uh, turn on SNN, Unit Echo 7. Goodbye. Or she hangs up on you and as you turn on the news you see what nearly every set of eyes on the planet Susquehanna saw that day an enemy fleet of swarm ships descending on the planet that you have called home for some time how does echo 7 feel seeing this happen uh, uh, it game over man game over <laughs> just quits and walks away we're not doing this uh, yeah, is, is like fear um, your your unit's kind of first response or something similar? Yes. Well, along with that, maybe something you can't even acknowledge, your brain doesn't want to, something inside you literally boils as 
fluid in your chest cavity seems to have a reaction to this use, uh, this this news development. Um, something guttural, a small amount of steam is vented out of your exhaust ports, um, along with an emotion that you might not have felt in some time, the emotion of rage. Back on the SDF transport, Hesselman has been studying you, then kind of snaps his fingers and says, I, I think I, I read about your kind. You're not an android or, or anasite, none of them. You're something else, too. Some Something out from the vast, right? I don't remember exactly what it is, but he's like rubbing his scratchy patch of a, a bearded face as he hands you some tea. That's, I mean, if, if you drink tea like the rest of us uh, and you're here to kill bugs, you're, you're fine by me, partner. The back of this military truck is silent once more as the wind whips across the barren fields. Just four months ago, those fields would have been thick with the automated combine, um, kind of harvesting wheat, sorghum, and other agricultural crops that Echo 7 looked over. Once again, another cup of tea is poured, and this time is handed to a uh, another humanoid at the back of the cab, looking out over this desolate landscape. Hesselman comes up to you and says, care for a hot cup duster? Something to warm the, the chitin up a bit? Jabert, who or what are we looking at here? Uh... A relatively tall uh, Sheeran takes the cup from Hesselman and uh, takes a tentative sip and then hands it back. Um, this uh, this creature is um, sort of has a blue chitin and sort of an orange uh, uh, compound eye and uh, wears a sort of a heavy a heavyish sort of armor with lots of with lots of gouges on it. Um, looks like it's seen some action mm. and uh, responds, Thank you for the gesture. That is good. Uh, what, what, what's your name, Duster? Name's Trest. Folks call me Preach. You're uh, welcome to call me either. Man of the cloth, I, I'm, I'm gathering. So to speak, yes. And uh, sort of uh, pulls their uh, long sword and begins sort of sharpening it across their armor. Um, sort of across the thigh says I'm a I'm a man of the cloth of sorts I guess you could say Esselman kind of like backs up with the the, the cup of tea in their hand as Trest kind of stares off in the the distance a thousand yard stare and uh, we, we move from from the, the truck here to their thoughts back six months your character can still hear their voices in their mind. Move, curate. We're sitting ducks in this location. Rally with the rest of the squad on the other side of the ruck formation. Pronto. On the double, Captain. That's Corporal. <laughs> Corporal Chaplin. Eustace, a.k.a. Bootsy McPubbage. Your friend, mentor, pulling at your SDF armor by the weapon straps and pulling you out of harm's way, pushing you south as a hailstorm of enemy fire blankets your position. The two of you meet up with a couple other members of your squadron behind a painted rock and the, the water here of the Stone Sea up to your ankles as puddles stretch for miles around this inland sea. Lord, to save us. <laughs> if I didn't have a sixth sense about these things, uh, we'd be toast. Are you okay, Trest? Were you hit? Uh, uh, took a took a knock in the, in the antennae. I'm fine. Uh, Tress, you look down at your body and you can see nothing but splotches of blue. Blue paint everywhere on you as the enemy SDF squadron has scored a hit as you ran from cover with paintballs. Lots of paintballs. Oh, it hurts still pretty bad. Ah, 
Terrible luck, Curate. Head back to the trucks and then I guess wait for the next round to start. We'll uh, endeavor on without you as hard as that might be. Come on, men, to victory! They charge out from behind the rock. The rest of the, the war games continues as you walk in the afternoon summer sunlight toward base camp, your toy gun held above your head so that you can kind of rest your, your arms on it. Tress, you remember that day well as the, the sunshine beats down on you. Uh, your stint with the military has gone well so far. You're well-respected in your unit. You've been given some distinguishment awards and the feeling of contentment and joy, though short-lived as you are trundling down the road. You sense a commotion at the base camp as you see soldiers scurrying about. And that's when you feel it. A psychic feeling that you haven't shook since that date. It was a, a pall that kind of settled down upon you the same way a cloud then covered the Susculan sunlight. So too did the, the feeling of an oppressive mind frame. Darken your spirit. Darken this world. You feel your, your two full intact antennae twitch uncontrollably as you're forced to turn around, and that is when you see it. You see... Hundreds of starships, swarm vessels, components, bursting through the stratosphere, leaving trails of white clouds behind them. A few seconds later, and you hear the sonic booms as they rip through the air and begin to descend downwards above you towards Mount Klondu. They sound like the, the sky is just being torn apart as the ships kick their air brakes on and move into cruising speed towards the mountain about a mile away. Uh, Tress, before you know it, a truck rumbles past you and then another, and finally an SDF mobile striker vehicle screeches to a halt next to you. A sergeant pulls you bodily into the vehicle, handing you a live fire rifle. This, this is it, curate. This is real. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready, sergeant. It's not a simulation. This is, this is from the tip-top. They just sent down confirmation. The swarm landing party is, is, is here, and we're clear to engage. Are you ready for this? Escalon! And just, like, whacks himself in the head. Uh, with, like, a salute, or just, like, hurting yourself? No, just, like, like in the helmet. Just, like, punching the helmet. Yeah. What's, what's Trest's uh, reaction here? You are about to go into, like, a, a real battle for the first time. Uh, I think this, this reaction is, um just um, almost almost a bloodlust like maybe maybe the uh uh trests sort of they sort of dander is up from uh this training that they've been going through and and suddenly someone's come along and told them yes all the training you've been doing it's all for something it all means something it's all important it's important and now you can be the hero and so trust is sort of um, a little misunderstanding of what they should be feeling at this moment. Oh boy, I'll tell you what, the, the adrenaline spike that they yeah. get now is very different from the one when you got hit with a blue paintball. <laughs> right, right, exactly. exactly. When, when, when Tress got hit with the blue paintball, it was like, it was sort of like, ow, oh man, well, but yeah, I guess, I guess I, there's a disappointment there, but now the, the feeling is very much more, um, uh, uh, anger and um, um, just realization that everything that they've trained for is something to be used now. I feel like we've gotten a lot of anger and fear so far as the responses so far. Seem, seems reasonable. Pretty accurate, yeah. 
uh, back on the SCF troop carrier, Hesselman finishes his tea in a, in a long drought uh, and, and kind of shakes his head and, and says, you were there at the, the Battle of Stone Sea with the fifth? I, I heard not many dusters were able to make it out of there alive. No, no, not many did. He must have a guardian angel on, on that armor you're wearing there. I, it's nice to meet you all the same. I, I guess we can, you know, just enjoy these uh, relaxing potholes in silence if you you want from here on out. And uh, Trust laughs a little bit. It says, yes, it's a guardian angel. <laughs> An angel. <laughs> oh, I like you, Hesselman. Hesselman is shakingly kind of putting up his tea set and says, oh, okay, thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, he says, not knowing that there is still one member of the convoy still left. Miles, he seems to have overlooked your character. What does your character have to say about that? Nothing. No? No, the, 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 uh, my character is, is, is quite used to it and is also fairly indifferent. Um, what are, he what are he we... may hear a rustling from... <laughs> A corner that he overlooked. A wrestling in the hedgerow in the back. Uh, yeah, if if Hesselman does indeed hear that, he says, "What? Oh, is, is someone else back there? I'm sorry, I didn't see. Uh, say, what? What's this trick? Who? Who's back there?" <laughs> well, so the I, I would imagine the 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 as they're driving by, maybe a, a light kind of goes by, and he, he sees a dark suit and a oh, maybe a floppy hat over this diminutive little little figure uh, who stands no more than 16 inches tall oh my so he's got a a full long overcoat buttoned a nice uh larger uh classic fedora an actual fedora both uh dark navy blue he's got a, a messy shirt that hides his second skin armor and a loose tie over it with uh little pants and uh little uh garnets on his little rexolite legs <laughs> Oh, oh my, a, a Raxley. Uh, sorry, I didn't see a little guy. Uh, care for a thimble of hot water and dried plant leaves? I'm sorry, are you allowed to drink this? So he just nods and and and, and takes the the drink and knocks it back in, in one gulp. Oh my, what, what, what gives it what's, back to him? What's your name there, soldier? So you want an origin story? Fine. Marlo's the name. Sprouts Marlo. P.I. That's plan investigator for you moose not in the know. Sit back and stick this in your ear because I don't want to repeat myself. There I was, six months back, living life to the fullest aboard the Rex-like crown canopy garden ship. A mean old bird that was there during the swarm invasion of the pack, made it through countless scrapes. It was a home away from home for Rex-lights like yours truly, our gin joint in the stars. I had just flown in from Absalon Station, a two-week jaunt in the drift, sharing cabin space with the Ahsoki family with an allergy to soap and water. Had a practice back in Absalom, a little hole in the wall. We helped the helpless, for a price anyway. Never claimed to be a saint and this ain't a charity. But someone goes missing, ain't a soul listening to you, you saw something dirty go down, or the entire filth of this wretched galaxy is coming down on you, you come to us, Marlo and Briar. Now Briar, she's a wise tool with two lips and let me tell you that mouth can move mountains if she wanted. Gift of gab wasn't all she was blessed with. Seen her take out goons four times her size without rustling a pedal. She also has a pension for the hard cases, the ones that took months to close. I'd say she was more a thorn than a boon to the office, but she brought in some heavy scores that kept the lights on. She's got my back and I got hers. None like me, she's a people plant. Got a soft heart. 
But I was out looking for work when I got a message to meet her at the Crown Canopy ship, the Emerald Spike. Had to muss my way past all the big palookas like you on the station. Well, it's just about anyone in, from human magicas to giant blue bears. When I found her, she just got back from assignment, was holding a, the case file of another lost cause with that goofy look in her eye. Briar says, Marlo, it's an android runaway. Her mother, the one that raised her, is worried she had been kidnapped by some cult way, way out in the Susklin system. There is a complication, though. She hands you a vid screen with a breaking story on the front page of the Daily Bellflower news site. In black and white bold letters, the words Susklin invasion by swarm said it chilled down my stamen. Seems like this job will be a complicated one, and perhaps an expiration date closer than a carton of oxyoxia milk. Briar says... I want to confirm some facts before we get embroiled in this case, but I will meet you there on the ground. Sprouts, hopefully we can get her out of there before things go south on Susculum. Something about this case stinks six ways a seventh day. I turned up here months ago on Susculum with a name and a photo. Haven't made much progress yet. They say all the flowers of tomorrow are the seeds yesterday, but all I'm finding is fertilizer. Seems everywhere I turn up, she just left. Worse yet, haven't been able to contact Briar. So that's two dames I'm looking for now. Dowers the Donut, she joined up in the war effort some way, getting moved around between companies and all. But so far, it's been a dead end. Swarm. That's not an avenue I want to go down. Nasty customers. And I'm just a gumshoe, not a war hero. I've got no desire to punch my card in for some grand cause. Let every Tom, Dick, and Harry with stars in their eyes chase that dream. Not me. But if joining the SDF means I can stay here and give Briar a chance with this case, that's what I am to do. There's a long silence in the back of the STF uh, vehicle as you uh, you finish up and, and Hesselman kind of takes the, the cup back from you and says, okay, um, what was that? What was that? I, I mean, uh, welcome. It, it's good to, to have you on our, our side. Um, mm. Sprouts Marlowe? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's nice to meet all of you um, as soon as you kind of get done talking, though you can feel the... the truck slow kind of begin to make uh, some turns off of the highway and the uh, Hesselman collects his gear um, back in his backpack and, and says oh this this must be it um Camp Cavalier uh time to get our our war faces on for the new unit soldiers it's another few minutes as the truck winds through some snow-covered ray clay hills before coming to a halt you hear the engine idling still before being able to hear very distinctive sound. Flop, swap, flop, swap. A pair of boots trudging through the mud and slush to the back of the vehicle. The gate at the back of this this truck drops, and you hear a voice call out in a scream. Fresh meat! Line up single file! Get your behinds in the dirt dusters! I ain't got time for lot of gagging reinforcements that don't know how to double time. Come on, come on, come on. Everyone rushes out of the uh, the vehicle from the cabin, you see before you a, a small gray-furred creature wearing an SDF uniform with a, a sergeant's icon on his shoulder. Uh, the hair on his head shaved into a mohawk, and his six little hands curled up into bald fists at his side. It's a Skittermander soldier whose uniform is decorated with a few combat medallions. He says, I'm Sergeant McSkitters. I am in charge of running all you transfers through your paces here at Camp Cavalier. I'm going to help you, all right. I'm going to help you not be useless sacks of fleam on the battlefield. I don't care if you've seen combat or 
You're as green as a Gorn's bottom. By the time you're done with training in these exercises, why the Major will be happy and he'll welcome you to the Fighting Fist Battalion. We are the rear guard today, and we're gonna be the front line tomorrow. Are there any questions? Sir, no, sir. If no one else has any questions, maggots, you drop to your hands and you give me 100 push-ups. I want to see you all in fighting form. Move, 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 move. There's a, a series of small claps as uh, you make sure you guys are down on the ground. And it's time to time to start the training montage here uh, as you start doing your push-ups. This irascible little skittermander comes over to you, Devasho, and walks on your back legs up your spine uh, and stands on your shoulders and says, Big fella, like you, looks like you need a little more weight to you. Let's go, piggyback ride time, up and down, up and down. I want to ride the horsey. Thank you for the challenge, sir. I need everyone to make me a strength check. Uh, DC 13. Tyler, don't worry. Yours is DC 15. Oh, cool. Also, you know how I feel about first roll strength checks in APs. Yeah, it's basically your go-to. Oh, good. Oh, I my. am uh, oh, my goodness. strength, so this will be great. <laughs> yeah, oh, my goodness. Sprouse Marlowe making the DC. <laughs> With Bruce all due doing well. respect, this is unnecessary for my form. <laughs> oh, what did you roll, Drew? Natural twenty. Oh, geez, Louise, nice. Uh, so yeah, you're you're in there like one handing this thing. I mean, <laughs> Spreads Marlowe also doing very. How did I pass that? <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? Rax lights have are robotic. Uh, little like uh, Dr. Octopus arms called Elfan, and I imagine like that's doing a lot of the lift. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, my, my robotic arms have more of a, of a chance to break down than get any stronger with this. <laughs> Already. And hey, Tyler, Tyler, what do you get? I'm keeping the trend. Keeping the trend. <laughs> Roll a five. That's an eight. <laughs> oh, Zinian eight. Uh, Boy, Tresonate, the, the characters with maybe a little bit of muscle or some some tone to them having difficulty here. Uh, failing this check, you guys are fatigued basically for the next six hours as your muscles, your tendons are aching every time your arms, you know, jostle against your, your armor. They light up in pain after 100 push-ups. And after that, Sergeant McSkitters, well, he's putting you through the paces. You're like charged, you know, for doing like 50 laps around the, the course here as you running around what looks like a training ground made up of old barrels, wooden walls, beams. So there's some climbing involved, just obstacle courses of all shapes and sizes. About halfway through it, he uh, calls everyone over, you know, after you've been training for about an hour and says, Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to see how quick on your feet you are. Up the steps, across the pit, go, go, go. Sergeant McSkitters points you to a narrow, foot-wide, icy beam, 10 feet over a, uh, a frozen, muddy pit, and throws you a huge medicine ball as you step up to to get across it and says, Up and over! You cross until you make it. This is very simple, guys. You know what this is. It's a, a DC-10 acrobatics check, and everyone gets to make it. And uh, you can fail and still cross slowly um he will be berating you the entire time with his 
six judging hands. I but have you... good news. Xenia auto auto succeeds at this. Oh my goodness. Uh, if you try to fly over this pit, though, he like chucks a medicine ball at you. <laughs> <laughs> Do it fair. Uh, no, but if you fail this DC 10 check by five or more, you are going to take a tumble of some guaranteed damage. Let's get some checks going. Acrobatics. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. oh man. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> Shouldn't uh, have worn that heavy armor. <laughs> We've what got was a... that last roll? Oh, no. Devacho, what did you roll? Well, I got a natural 20 on something I should be bad at. <laughs> well, I failed my New Year's resolution already. A natural one for <laughs> I told you, miles. false promises for days. Natural one. Uh, we've got we've got a pass from uh, Echo Set. Basically, everyone that failed the... <laughs> The, the last one. No, wait, Drew, Drew you passed both, right? Yes. yes. Uh, Miles and uh, Jabert Trest and, and Sprouts have failed here. But believe it or not, with a natural one, Sprouts is able to climb across very slowly. Just little little wooden legs going tick, tick, tick. Trest, Jabert in full armor is falling into the mud, taking D6 points of damage. You're going to have to roll again for me, buddy. What? Uh, five points of, of non-lethal damage, yeah. Poof! There's a rock Alrighty. in my blood. Uh, seven. Oh my goodness, just slightly better. Uh, so yeah, the second time, you are like caked in in mud, and it is freezing cold. You hit it, and it, it, you know, it doesn't really cushion it that much, but the second time around, you are a little more cautious, and while Sergeant McSkitters is screaming at you, you're able to make it across, and uh, as soon as you get across, he's like, get back in there. I'll have you out here until morning until you all can do this well and he's like running around the camp making more laps uh the next set of obstacles about an hour later he's running you through is a series of tires and then crawling through the same freezing icy water and mud beneath uh, a large path of barbed wire and mcskitter says heads up chins up and then you're on your knees crawling like baby skitterlings looking to latch onto your mama but mama's not here her cookie and juices are millions of miles away the only hugs you get out here is the, the cold embrace of death on the battlefield move it move it move it uh as you guys are going through this next part go ahead and make me a dc 10 fortitude save or a survival check i should say Let's see where the rolls are rolling. Miles, a pass. You're, you're you're like able to walk underneath the barbed wire. Like, <laughs> down. I He's only it like, 16 inches tall. So I mean, like you, you like stoop a little bit. It's like, you know, oh, the ceiling's a bit too high. He just like dusts his coat off. <laughs> Devajo is just dragging barbed wire behind him. He's physically in- incapable of being that low to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Boy, oh yeah boy. Uh, tr- Trust is, uh, is struggling is having, a little too. having trouble. Yeah. Uh, Zinnia, Devasho, even Echo 7 passing this. Flying colors, but Trest, yeah, it, at this point, you have earned the ire of Sergeant McSkitters, and he's like uh, pelting you with rocks and, and small things, just like six arms tossing stones at you, basically recreating some some battlefield action. What and... we have here is a failure to communicate. <laughs> This is, what did you roll here? This is an eight. You did not fail this one by five or more, so you're not taking more damage, but the cold is almost getting to you as you're 
you're put through these paces and as you're zipping through this course maybe like a, a stray bit of wire kind of snags on your armor almost makes a, a wound in you but you're able to get yourself free and it is hours later after running these obstacle courses over and over with maybe like a small cooldown period in between uh during one of these cooldown periods um, where Sergeant McScarriage is having you run around the track. You don't know how long this demonic little skittermander is going to keep you out here. But he he calls you in as as night falls upon the camp and um, kind of points you towards uh, another part of the training facility and says, you know, as you get there, there's warning signs everywhere that says alert, live ammunition, shooting range. And McScarriage says, all right, every skitter, it's time to buck up or shuck up. Uh, I want to see you. Uh, what you got out here? Uh, we, we got melee practice dummies and, and target practice. Show me what's going to keep the swarm from making a meal out of you on the battlefield. Is, uh, uh, is fatigue still in effect? Fatigue is still in effect, yes. Uh, feel ah. free, though, to perform whatever combat maneuver you would like here uh, on some dummies. You guys, if you're shooting guns, it's uh, a target's 30 feet away or 60 feet away. And the melee targets are just these big, bulky metal and wood constructs that kind of look like scarecrows. AC is five, so go to town. Uh, who wants to go first and kind of show off a little bit of your, your class abilities or your attacks, at least? I guess Sprouts would. Uh, do a little mm-hmm. trick attack, just kind of a little fancy gun work. A trick attack, you say? So we're talking operative here? We are talking operative. So what what is Sprouts got for a weapon? Uh, uh, azimuth laser pistol, uh, part of uh, his race's, I don't want to say ability, but uh, what would you say, characteristic? I mean, if you're talking about Elfan, that's that's a racial ability. Okay. It is something um, developed by the Raxolites that allows them to operate in the, uh, what's the what's the opposite of the, the Lilliputian world? What's the, what's the tall world? <laughs> uh, well, you're kind of like a Lilliputian here. And you've got these uh, yeah, right. aforementioned kind of like snake-like arms, uh, vine-like arms, I should say, that can hold a weapon. Yeah, and they just kind of uh, grow around the the weapon itself. Um, but you know, he's been so used to it, so he's he's kind of just doing a little fancy gun work to show off a little bit, so that people won't necessarily underestimate him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so feel free to to start with a, a trick attack. Um, what what are you using for for your trick? Oh, I'm a, a detective sense motive. A detective operative. Okay, yeah, he's a he's a gumshoe. All right, you've rolled um, CR twelve or lower. I, yes. I hate this AP already. <laughs> uh, so I deal uh, one additional damage, um, and believe if, mm-hmm. if my if my uh, stuff is correct, I believe I rolled a twelve. Uh, twelve to hit. So like I said, just AC. Uh, five. So you're able to hit this this target out there about 30 feet and four points of damage. Mixkitters seems you know impressed. Um, you know perhaps they've not seen someone smaller than them, but he, you've you've earned the Skittermander's appreciation here. Uh, who wants to go next? I've got the power. Oh boy, Trim. What what is, what is happening with Echo Seven? Uh, they've been quiet this entire training. Uh, they, they've had some quippy lines here and there. Uh, <laughs> Do they quote the entirety of uh, in the army now, or I'm trying to think of other uh, every stripes? <laughs> <laughs> That's the fact, Jack. Oh boy, it's been a long season. <laughs> what uh, <laughs> what's Echo Seven got for a weapon? Uh, he is going to uh, level his hail cannon, Sub Zero hail cannon. <laughs> oh my gosh! 
and blow this uh, this dummy away. Well, the dice are going to determine that. Let's see. I believe that hits. <laughs> An eight on the dice that will indeed hit. Um, so a, a massive blast of sub-zero. I, I don't. I'm not sure if it's pellets or, or some kind of uh, cold and piercing damage blasting the the target uh, sixty feet away uh, with a hit. And, Chill uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you used that one early. Okay. <laughs> for, for someone carrying a nice weapon. Uh, McSkitters uh, says, All right, move back on the line. That's pretty impressive, I guess. Uh, next, who do we got? Uh, Zenny will go. Zenny. Yeah, the she's going to. Yeah, the Strix. She's going to spread her majestic wings, show off a bit, her plumage, if you will. Have you not shown off enough in this obstacle course already? You, I think, uh, just destroyed every single roll, including the one you didn't have to roll. <laughs> no, I missed one. I missed one, but... Um, oh, right, right. Wait. So I am fatigued, but uh, but she is going to just for fun, uh, fly at this uh, at this dummy and uh, use her tactical baton, but Ooh. not not before using a trick attack. All right, so we got a melee attack happening here. Uh, go ahead, and, and what do you roll for trick? We've got... Got another operative action happening. Yeah, so Zinnia is a ghost operative, so she uses stealth for her tr- for her trick attack. It is is dark outside now, so you are in some dim light, and I believe that gives Strix a little bit of a bonus there. Is it that right? Does yeah, it gives them plus two in dim and dark uh, uh, light conditions. Well, enjoy this. The rest of the AP is in bright sunlight. <laughs> I've learned my lesson after this. Uh, let's see the trick attack. Oh my goodness! So it would All actually right. be CR fourteen or lower. I'm guessing uh, that. All right, you, you, and and Miles. That's <laughs> those are pretty high rolls already. And uh, I will say this is a hit as well. And you're doing what looks like almost the same amount of damage as Miles. Believe it or not, more damage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you like thwack at this this dummy. Uh, maybe the bucket head on it spins around a little bit. Sergeant McSkitter hardly looks impressed and says, I can do that if I had wings. <laughs> and calls <laughs> for either Trester or Devasho next. Who, which which of our insect warriors here is stepping up? Trest look, looks at Devasho and says, After you. You are so kind. I feel like I am warmed up enough. And uh, Devasho steps up to one of the melee dummies and out from like a, a crack in his chitin comes this little black moat. And with his right claw, he grabs it, and it just very suddenly bursts into this, like, eight-foot-tall shield. My goodness. And it just, and it's built out of, it's almost pure black, except for the edges of it are this ever-shifting, changing purple flame. Mm. And he just uses it to, he just throws the whole shield into this dummy. Tyler, what crazy class is this? Did you just make this up? I just made it up. I made it up <laughs> on the spot. And that's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I rolled a 17, so it's a 21 to hit the thing. And uh, max damage, nine damage. What? What What? What? What are you playing, Tyler? What, what class is this? I am playing the ever-exciting Solar Shield Solarian. Oh, I've never heard of this before. I'm going to have to go back and do some reading. Okay. <laughs> this came out in the comm, right? This came out in character operations alongside oh the uh, the um, Solar Flare Solarian. Uh, these two new uh, solar manifestations. This and... is way too much damage. Okay, already you've yeah. you've like doubled uh, 
Rebecca or Miles' damage here on this one hit. Yeah, so his shield does 1d3 damage, uh, but there's some bonuses behind it as well. Excellent. So yeah, you you put like a major dent into the side of this melee dummy, and uh, you, you see McSkitter just like wide-eyed like, yeah, that'll, that'll do it. Trust, you lollygagger, get up here and, and try to follow that up. Yeah, and so as, as as the thing is sort of uh sort of like rocking back and forth, Trest sort of like pulls down some magical energy. I guess I guess pulls it up from the earth and uh, imbues it into the sword, and then swings it right at the base of the dummy, Ooh. and chops with a choppy sense <laughs> with an 18 to hit and also nine points of damage okay all right well you guys didn't roll any natural ones on these attacks and i hate you for that <laughs> but uh yeah after seeing that uh make make sergeant mcskitters kind of like eyes you up and down and says mm, you look like you've seen combat before am i right once or twice and uh, and starts rubbing the wood chips off of their sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is gonna take a while. Uh, D- Devasho holds out a, a large fist. Ah, for- thank you. I'll, I'll I'll drag my sword through your fist, <laughs> and hopefully that won't cut off your fingers. It's a very sharp sword, you see. I don't know. Make an attack roll. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, th- I thought that was for like a fist bump. <laughs> Oh, 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 that too. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, boy. <laughs> these Echo cultural seven, differences between bugs. Yes, Echo 7 space I will be set to the surprised emoji for the next five minutes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I hope you've rolled all your good attack rolls here in the training facility. Uh, as you guys are, are done, some of the other new recruits, some transfers are, are finishing behind you. They're taking shots. You hear gunfire lighting up the night sky. Some of Camp Cavalier's medics come up to you. They'll they'll treat your wounds if if you have any, um, and set to uh, maybe like <laughs> rubbing some of your shoulders with a with a balm. Sergeant Mc, McSkitters kind of steps up on a large set of boxes and crates, kind of uses as a platform around everyone. Gives you all a speech now that your your little mini boot camp is done, and says, uh, "Soldiers, I, I saw a lot of effort out there." I would gladly go into battle with all of you. Kind of gives Trest like a, a little nod, a little wink, and continues and says, This camp is tasked with putting the 5th Battalion back together. We have suffered devastating losses over this campaign so far, and we are creating new units, promoting squadron leaders, and getting ready to take the fight back to the swarm, back to the north, and finally push back their line. There are some cheers from the assembled weary soldiers here, some clapping. I am hard on every soldier that walks through this camp's gates because I know we gotta be tough to beat back the swarm. I I, I don't want to see BBBS on reports anymore. I want to see SDF victories marked down. That's going to start today. That's going to start with the 5th Battalion. We held them at bay at the battle at Stone Sea. We kept the lines for a week while the rest mounted counter-assaults and evacuated. And we can win more battles if we got the guts to do it. Tomorrow, you all will be called in to form into squads and get your assignments direct from the Major himself. Until then, you sharpen that blade. You get a belly full of chow in the mess hall, and most importantly, get ready, because today you're alive. Tomorrow, you might be continued. (laughs) (laughs) We continue. Uh, Hey! (laughs) 
Patrick, you know, you always know how to like under punctuate all those yeah. endings. I'm really, it's really nice. <laughs> you never see them coming. You never will, guys. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> I don't know. I think your characters, your player characters might be ready for what is to come. I don't know if you players are, though. Uh, not. After seeing some of these builds, I'm like, okay, they've made some okay character choices here. After I've, I've heard some stories about the about the the AP that we're about to endeavor on. <laughs> oh, you're not talking to our our fans who've already played through it last year, are you? <laughs> oh, just a smidgen, just a smidgen. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna kill somebody. I anyway, just, I just hate that we have this awesome art for all of these characters. I don't want it to go to waste by killing them off. In one <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. If, if somebody gets killed, it's gonna be like a stick figure <laughs> instead. <laughs> just yeah. like like oh, here's a stick figure with horns. That means it's yeah. a something. Just, hey, listeners, just just know that if if Patrick kills off all these characters. Characters, our Patreon rates are going to go up. It's just going to happen. Uh, <laughs> no, it'll, it'll be charged out of your guys' own account. Oh, good. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, they this every season, but this season, I'm, like I said, it's really in your hands. Your characters are ready, but are you guys ready? Are you ready to make the correct decisions in like battle situations? Not even a little. Nope. This is this isn't <laughs> yeah. taking out some some not, local gang. Not if it or, not if it involves like thinking like Patrick Brennan. <laughs> like, I'm not prepared for that. I'm, I feel like I'm never prepared for that. Uh, no one is, and that's that's one of the best things about that's, Fate of the Fifth. That's the secret. I'm ready for a PB in death. <laughs> um, we have another special episode at the beginning of the season. We're going to talk more about your characters. I didn't want to bog down this intro episode too too much. Uh, that's that's still to come. Um, but I want to do episode zero first because I, I think they just kind of are cool to introduce by themselves. And we got to see a little bit of what you guys can do in battle, uh, what some of your roles are, and a little bit of your backstory. Uh, if you guys are new to our podcast, we have the characters art up on our website. Uh, if you follow us on social media, we're going to have it up there as well, as well as some little background tidbits about them. This is the most excited I've ever been about my character art. It's, <laughs> I love it so much. It's pretty perfect. If you guys haven't seen what a plant investigator, a, uh, a foot and a half tall uh, PI plant looks like, uh, well, we've got art for that now. Well, and we should also call out our, our good friend, Seth, at uh, Mistaken Potatoes, oh, yeah. our, our, our dear, dear friend, GM of the Non-Centered Action stream. <sighs> Oh, yeah. We're going to be calling them out all week when we drop this episode yeah, for he, this, this character. He killed, Follow him at uh, Seth Loves the Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> he killed it with our season two characters for he art. Did. But this season yeah. three just blows what he did for season two yeah, out of the water. He, he, he's killed it every year. But this this one, I mean, it's just he just gets better and better. And I... I love all the way all these characters look so much. They're such I, a weird group of ding-dongs. I tried to talk you out of all this craziness, but we got a Strix, a Trox, a Sheeran, a Raxalite, and Drew. I don't know what you are, <laughs> Drew. You just, you're Drew. There's no no other way to... I'm unexplainable. But we got, we got great art to, to explain it away to everyone. And yeah, like... That's going to do it for episode zero. Uh, this is just a little taste 
of what you can do to introduce your player characters to one another in this season. Uh, I think I actually have uh, a few lines in the AP saying like, oh yeah, put them through basic training if, uh, if they're new to the game. You guys aren't new to the game, but people might be new listening to us. So we've gone through some basics here. Next week, though, we are digging into this adventure path. Like I said, yeah, you guys are going to do well. Your characters will do well. And uh, I hope everyone out there listening right now sticks around for this ride because it's going to be a roller coaster. (laughs) I'm I'm excited. Oh, boy. You you guys did buy healing serums, right? Just like uh, (laughs) Costco size boxes. (laughs) I've just got them lined in my jacket pockets. (laughs) Oh, did we need those for for something or anything at all? Yeah. I actually found a loophole in the rules. I actually have several uh, healing serums already injected into my skin. I just haven't <laughs> depressed them yet. So they're just ready to go. You've got like dreads of uh, needles yeah. sticking out. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I see a hop head, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this I is going to be a weird, weird season. <laughs> I can already tell. Uh, guys, uh, th- we gotta have to wrap it up here. We've gone long. This is maybe our longest episode zero so far. We gotta save some of it for <laughs> the rest of the season. Uh, thank you so much for playing with me. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. That's gonna do it for us here, folks. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Good night. night. Have a good night. Good morning. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Cosmic Crit. This episode has been made possible through a sponsorship with Roll20 and the backing of our Critamander fans on Patreon. Thanks again and have a great week.